You're listening to a Westpac Wire podcast. Westpacwire.com.au COVID-19 is putting jobs on the line with thousands of workers already stood down and some let go altogether. Stephen Kennedy is bracing for unemployment to double to 10% in the June quarter and is warning some jobs and businesses will be permanently lost. As we confront the challenges of the coronavirus as its impact uh, is felt, not just here in Australia, but around the world, jobs are so important. It's hard to think of any type of job that hasn't in some way been affected by COVID-19. At one end of the spectrum, hundreds of thousands of jobs have suddenly and shockingly disappeared. And at the other, some new jobs have actually emerged. And in between, masses of employees are working in a whole new way, from physical workplace changes to jumping into new roles to going fully virtual and working from home. The abrupt upheaval has led to a lot of pretty big questions like, is it possible to connect stood down workers with employers who need to quickly hire? When will the job market bounce back? Will the way we work be changed forever? I'm Emma Foster from the Westpac Y team and I'm joined today by someone who has thought deeply about these questions, Adam Jacobs, the co-founder of a new job platform called Hatch Exchange which is helping stood down workers to find work. Hi, Adam, and thanks for talking to us today. Hi, Emma. Great to meet you. That was a fantastic uh, introduction in terms of the context of where we are. Before we talk about Hatch, looking at the macro level for a sec, the the jobless rate is predicted to reach as high as 10% by June. Of course, it could have been much higher than that without the $130 billion JobKeeper package, but we're still staring into a very deep recession. In your work, you talk with a lot of affected employers and employees. What's the general sentiment you're hearing? Are there any glimmers of hope coming through yet? So uh, we're certainly hearing from employers that um, nobody's expecting a speedy recovery um, in terms of both the economic rebuild period, but also in terms of how organisations move back to some sense of normality. You know, even if we have hope, and I think we do in Australia, um, of a speedy health recovery, and we're certainly um, positioned well um, in compared to some other countries in the world in that regard. Um, the feeling is that there's still going to be a heavy impact uh, economically that's measured in, in years, not in months. Um, and, and effectively what that means for employers in thinking about the workforce is there's going to be caution and there's going to be hesitation and there's going to be volatility and uncertainty within the employment market um, for the foreseeable future. Um, and, and I think, you know, I think the impact of that on job seekers is pretty clear, which is, um, you know, realistically, we're going to have a higher unemployment rate for a while. Um, and also that job seekers more than ever are going to need to reskill into new pathways of capabilities that are um, more aligned to what's required in um, the post-COVID world. Um, so there's certainly some of the trends that we're seeing playing out. So the, the prospects for young workers in particular, it's, it's really worrying. I spoke earlier today with uh, Westpac senior economist Matt Hassan, who said his data is showing a shocking 42% of 18 to 24-year-olds lost their jobs uh, last month, so during the month of March. And that's the group of workers that's likely to suffer the most um, in, at the back end of the, uh, of the pandemic. So let's have a listen to Matt. So we know... Uh that when, when the labour market goes through shocks and cycles, um, it's uh, youth uh, that get, or the younger um, workers that get disrupted.
disproportionately impacted. I think this time around it's more to do, the initial impact is more to do around the, the specific industries that have been hit hardest by the shutdowns, particularly the hospitality, uh, cafes and restaurants, um, sectors and parts of retail. Um, but even, you know, even in a, in a garden variety um, downturn slash recession, um, it's the younger uh, age groups that uh, get disproportionately impacted. You know, they're, they're kind of the, um, you know, the title zone for the, for the labour market. Um, you know, they have the, tend to have fewer skills um, and they tend to sort of wash in and wash out depending on what the wider labour market's doing. So I think it's, unfortunately, you know, we've seen this time and again, you know, youth unemployment rates are much more sensitive to the cycle uh, and it looks like we're going to go into this again. So, Adam, this view that COVID-19 is likely to lead to a lot of young people carrying a career scar for decades is no doubt something that's top of mind for you. Before the pandemic, your business, Hatch, was all about placing uni students into jobs. But a month or so ago, you did what I like to call a bit of a COVID pivot and switched course to create a new platform called Hatch Exchange. Can you tell us first about Hatch, the original business? What sparked the idea then the Hatch Exchange, and how quickly did it come to life? Absolutely. So I might, I might touch on um, Hatch and what it is, and, and I think the point you've just made uh, and the, the quote we've heard from The Economist um, is very relevant to thinking about the young person space, and, and I might talk to that too. So Hatch is a digital platform that connects um, young people at the start of their careers, and predominantly that means university students that are either um, still studying or have recently graduated. Um, it's a digital platform that connects them to meaningful paid uh, work placements in a variety of professional environments so they can try out different types of skills um, and different types of work. And th the problem we're really trying to solve for, for young people in the next generation is how do you figure out what type of work is right for you? And, you know, this is a question that everybody can relate to. You know, we've all been at that time of life where we're entering the workforce for the first time and we're trying to figure out, like, where do we fit? Um, and we're sort of in a world where there's swirling influences around us, our parents might have some expectations, our friends are doing something that we're probably benchmarking ourselves against. Um, you know, the, the media and communities around us are celebrating certain types of work and that's influencing us. Our belief at Hatch is that the best way to find a path to um, meaningful work, and what I mean by that is work that's a really great fit for you and who you are, your, you know, your strengths and your passions um, and your styles, the best way is actually to get out and try out a bunch of different things. You know, my, my co-founder, Chaz, has this quote that I really love, um, which is that we tend to spend more time test driving cars before we buy one than we do test driving careers before we start on one. Mm. And, you know, often mm. the career we're in simply reflects what we've fallen into. Um, and it can, it can be hard to change later on down the road once we have um, higher um, barriers to change. Um, so, you know, so Hatch is trying to solve that problem by creating um, a much easier way for organisations to use young talent as project workers um, on a really fluid basis and therefore draw on them as a strategic workforce um, to, to fuel their projects um, with a range of mm -hmm. different skills and fresh perspectives and in doing so provide the opportunity for young people to try out different types of work and have direct real-world experiences themselves and, you know, find the right path. Um, I, th I think you're absolutely correct that the, the young generation, the ones coming into the workforce for the first time, are going to be the most impacted, disproportionately so, um, mm. by this economic crisis. And, you know, it doesn't, we don't have to look too far back to see evidence of that. You know, it happened in the GFC 
Um, it happened in prior recessions. Uh, in, in an economic um, uh, dynamic like this, it's, it's usually those entry level people that um, that find it hard. You know, the job the job market becomes really soft for them, so you know they find it hard to to find their feet. What what we're hoping to do through um, some smart technology in the way that we operate our marketplace is make it easier for people than it has in the past to hire young people um, and therefore create more job opportunities for them. And, and I think just one point I want to make as to why is this time potentially different to previous recessions is not only are we in a um, moment of economic distress, but we're also in a moment of technological transformation. You know, there's a huge change going on in terms of how organizations operate right now. And actually, it's a moment where young talent, people who are digital natives and have grown up with these kind of skill sets and perspectives in the digital world, can add tremendous value to the organization's ability to shape shift and adapt to a new, um, more tech, more digital world. Um, so that, that's our hope of how we might be able to find a silver lining for the next generation. Okay, and so from that, that sparked the idea for the Hatch Exchange. Can you talk us a little bit about how that exchange actually works? How did it come about um, and, and how does it work in, in, in practice? Yeah, absolutely. So quite early on during the COVID crisis, um, we spoke with a, a number of our partners and our partners are large employers um, like Westpac and, and others like uh, Qantas and uh, Nine and JP Morgan and you know a, a wide range of, of large Australian employers um, who we've been placing students at through the digital platform. And what we heard from them was that there was going to be a wave of labour dislocation coming. Um, that certain organisations and Qantas is a good example would need to stand down a very high portion of their workforce. And other organisations and in fact Woolworths would be a good example of our customer base. Um, are going, we're going to need to um, very rapidly scale up teams to handle new demand as a result of the COVID-19 period. Uh, and they said to us, look, um, your technology in matching students to jobs looks at someone's um, underlying transferable capabilities. We, we, we don't look so much at students' CVs or their grades or their degree backgrounds. We're more interested in who they are as a person. Um, what are their strengths, what are their motivators, what are their behavioural styles, what are their value sets, um, you know, because we believe those things are actually a much better predictor of job fit. And just because you've studied neuroscience doesn't mean that you should necessarily be a neuroscientist. It actually equips you to do all sorts of different things. Um, so what, you know, what we heard from our customers were, look, because you've already got that technology, do you think you might be able to repurpose it for stood down workers? And if we think about it, it's actually the same problem. Um, a cabin crew member uh, at Qantas now doesn't have access to their job anymore and they won't for the foreseeable future because planes aren't flying. Um, but they do have a wide range of underlying capabilities, customer service skills, um, great sense of compassion, uh, first aid training, uh, performance under pressure that would allow them to do a variety of other jobs. You know, we, we're, we're not, as humans, we're not defined by our job title. You know, we have potential way beyond that. Um, and so what we did with the exchange in a very short amount of time, within seven days, was we took our existing technology and we repurposed it to be able to match and redeploy stood down workers into new jobs that were a good fit for their underlying transferable abilities. 
Right. So how did it work with the employers and the employees? They, they sign up and let you know what their skills are and then you can help match them? Yes, exactly. So it's, it's a B2B exchange, meaning that um, employers sign up on both sides of the market. Um, so either they've got uh, a workforce that have been stood down that they would like to assist to find redeployment opportunities for this temporary period whilst they're being stood down, or you've got other employers who are needing to scale up um, new resources quite quickly. So, so the first thing is that the employer signs up and says, yes, we'd like to participate. So far, we've had mm -hmm. about 130 employers join the exchange, um, everyone from Qantas to Virgin to Flight Centre, uh, Crown Resorts, Maryvale, David Jones, um, a really mm -hmm. broad group, um, hospitality, retail, aviation, tourism, the arts, sports would be quite highly represented. And between those 130 um, employers, there's about 150,000 impacted staff. Of them so far, about 10,000 have registered uh, their interest in a redeployment opportunity. So that's the way it works. You know, once Qantas decides to join the exchange, they then say to their staff, okay, we've joined. So you have uh, the option if you, if you choose to register. Um, and of those 10,000 um, impacted staff who've now registered, that means that they're available um, to be hired by, you know, any organisation in Australia right now who's growing. And so we're encouraging, you know, all, all organisations who are growing their teams as a result of COVID-19 to use the exchange to, to access this, um, this talent pool. Um, and what we do is we match the right people to the hiring companies within 72 hours of their request. You know, if you think about it within that talent pool between the 130 organisations and their thousands of staff, um, you've got some of the top talent in Australia. Um, you know, they're super well trained, they're very motivated, they're very adaptive. Um, and the stories we're hearing of the um, organisations they're being placed in is just overwhelmingly positive in terms of their performance. Um, so, uh, you know, we'd, we'd love um, other organisations who are hiring and growing due to COVID-19 to take advantage to um, access those, those people, the stood down workers and place them in their team. Uh, and we've made it really easy to do so. So all they need to do is um, head to the website and register their hiring need, and then we give them a call and take it from there. And what's the website again, Adam? Yeah, it's, uh, the website is www.hatch.exchange. So that talent pool is, I think you said, around 150,000 potential staff being matched to roles. Do you think that you can get it to that level? Unfortunately not. I mean, I, I, wish, I wish we could, but... Um, what we see right now is it's a, um, a soft jobs market. Uh, it's certainly a volatile uh, jobs market. Um, our goal is to help redeploy as many as we can, um, but that's going to be um, uh, that's going to be directed by just how many jobs there are out there. Mm -hmm. um, mm. So you know what what we're doing is we're certainly not promising anybody the guarantee of a redeployment. Um, placements, but um, we are trying to put them in the absolute best position to have access to that opportunity by effectively creating a marketplace that everybody can come to, um, to mm -hmm. hire those people, um, you know, just, just at the time that they, they need them. Okay, so it's a temporary job placement for stood down workers and the whole idea is for them to eventually return to their old roles once the economy picks up again. That's correct. I mean, if you think about it, um, if some of our larger uh, Australian employers, and again, I think Qantas is a good example. If they if they lose um, up to 50% of their workforce due to this crisis, because those people, you know, still need income and need jobs, and so they've gone off elsewhere to find them, 
um, that is a huge cost, not only on our large employers in terms of their continuity of talent and, and IP and infrastructure, but it's also a big cost on quite impacted segments of our economy. You know, it means it's going to take a lot longer for our tourism industry to rebuild or for our retail industry to rebuild. So what we're trying to do is, is protect the continuity of those industries and employers um, and help them rebuild faster by supporting their, their, their people to find work in the interim. And then, of course, at the same time, directly supporting those people to find meaningful work during this period that not only gives them an income, um, but also um, importantly gives them a sense of purpose during this time. It's a very anxious period and um, you know, having, having access to work is not only a financial benefit, it's, it's also an important thing for our, for our mental well-being and, and for our souls as well. It's such a great idea at such a critical time. From what you've just told us, it, it does sound like employees who are quite adaptable are really the best place to be able to land on their feet in this environment. Are you finding a lot of employees uh, have the mindset to be able to run so quickly into a new role and get up to speed so quickly in a new role, maybe something that they haven't even thought about before? And are you yeah. finding that there are some who might not be so much up to that challenge? Yeah, I think it, it's a great question. And on, on the whole, I would um, say, I would honestly say we've been quite positively um, surprised of just how open-minded and adaptive um, these people are. And, and whether that's because they're, you know, really well-trained individuals coming from great Australian employers um, and so they're just likely to be the type of people who are quite adaptive, or whether that's just because of the human condition. And we and we are as as people, we you know we are quite adaptive. I'm not sure, mm -hmm. but certainly what we're seeing is that um, you know quite quickly um, these individuals are able to retrain into um, a new type of role. You know we've seen a lot of cabin crew members and pilots go into um, important customer support roles in government contact centres. And, you know, the feedback we're getting from those contact centres is, you know, wow, day two, day three, they're fully up to speed, they're adding a lot of value, they're very professional, they're very reliable, they're very enthusiastic, they're very grateful um, for the opportunity. Um, so, yeah, that, uh, that would be the predominant story we're hearing so far. I think absolutely there, there are people too who find it a difficult transition. I would say where, where we particularly see that is if it's a big technology shift for them, if they're now using, for example, um, programs um, where they haven't had experience with those types of programs before. And there's a bit more of a learning curve to become comfortable with uh, a totally new set of systems. Um, but that's, you know, that's a very sort of natural and understandable learning curve. But I think a takeaway for me, Emma, in, in thinking about just the behaviour we're seeing and people being able to move quite quickly into new types of work, um, I, I think there's a takeaway more broadly when we think about how is, how is this period going to impact our workforces mm -hmm. and, and our organisations. Um, and, and, I, and I also hear this from talking to a lot of employers that nobody expects to go back to the, to the pre-COVID world in terms of our ways of work. Um, mm. And you mentioned this point a bit earlier, but you know, the number of times I've had you know, executives from employers say to me, if we had a 10-year plan in terms of how we would achieve new ways of working, more digital, more remote, more flexible, then it feels like we're going to be there within six months. Um, mm. And everybody is surprised. It's actually just how quickly that change can occur in terms of the change of behaviours of members of the workforce. 
Um, so it's definitely one of our big takeaways that not only are individuals very adaptive, but actually organisations are finding themselves to be very adaptive too. That's it. And I think our ability to be more adaptive, it's been coming for some time before we'd even heard of COVID-19. The nature of work had already been going through some pretty notable changes, like the growth of the gig economy, uh, changes in how we recruit more flexible and remote working arrangements, although nothing compared to what we're going through at the moment. I know at Westpac, we already had around 1,000 people working remotely, but that jumped to more than 22,000 people almost overnight, which is incredible. So I was interested in your views on what impact COVID-19 has had on the way we think about work and whether we may see some lasting changes at the back end of the virus. Yeah, yeah, I, I think we absolutely will see some lasting changes. Um, and there's probably a couple I can call out just based on what I'm what I'm seeing from all the employers where we're working with. Um, one is that um, the one we've already touched on, which is the adoption of um, more flexible ways of work. I think will be um, significantly accelerated, significantly as in as in from a 10 year to a one year time frame. Um, and I think that's a great thing for um, for people and for the way we work. You know, it means that. There's going to be more flexibility for us to think about our families first. Um, it, it means that we're going to be able to adjust our ways of working to suit our individual styles. Historically, there's really only one way of working and everybody has to fit into it and it's quite sort of like FaceTime driven and nine to five and, um, and it doesn't work for everybody. It's not how they do their best work. And so I think there's going to be more flexibility to the, the difference in styles of how people um, like to work. Um, and I think it's also going to open up, um, I suppose, um, flexibility around um, geographical locations. If not everyone's required in the office at a, at a point in time, it sort of, you know, it can give you back a lot of time in your day in terms of commute. It can mean that you can visit people and spend time with them that maybe you otherwise would have found it hard to. Let's say you're from another country and you can go back there for meaningful portions of the year. Um, so I think I think there's a lot there's a lot to like about um, that change that's going to be lasting. Um, I think a second change that's going to be lasting that that we're hearing about is, um, you know, there's been a lot of rhetoric in the past couple of years around agile ways of working. And like really what that means at the end of the day is like more of, more of a project-based focus to thinking about how do you bring together smaller teams in a project format around a really clear objective and empower them to, to make faster progress on, on that particular objective. Um, I think we're going to see significant acceleration to that project-based way of working. Uh, I think that's partly because organizations are going to be looking for more flexibility of how they deploy their workforce, just in a more uncertain world. Um, I think that's also partly because there's been a realization through this period of, wow, we can actually get things done really fast. You know, in the past, if this project would have been two years with a huge change management plan, we actually got it done within three weeks, which is a really focused, targeted team on it. And so I think that lived experience of having now seen that through this period will we'll carry on in the way that we organize our work um, going forward. I think the third lasting change that I would point out that, that we're seeing is a very dramatic shift in capabilities required with an organization towards the digital value chain. Um, you know, everybody's share of online business has significantly increased during this period. You know, for a bank, um, customers are now banking a lot more online than they were in person before. For a retailer, they're shopping online a lot more than they were before, um, and so forth across industries. And, and I think that that behavior change 
you know, it'll come back a little bit once the lockdown recedes and we can sort of um, get out more into other physical spaces, but it certainly won't um, restore to where it was before. And so the requirement for more digital capabilities within businesses are going to significantly increase, um, and that's going to have an impact on where jobs will be and what type of skills um, individuals who are impacted need to transition into. Okay, and so just coming back to your business, um, by changing course during the pandemic to create the labour exchange platform to help others, no doubt it's also been a bit of a necessary move for Hatch, your original business, which I suppose would have also been facing a bit of a slowdown. So have you needed to make many changes to your team and what does the post-pandemic future look like for Hatch and Hatch Exchange? So the, the first thing I'll, I'll say um, is that by no means have we um, dropped our student model. Um, and it's funny because whenever we talk in our team about um, the, you know, that we've made a pivot, I get a little spine tingle because a pivot usually means that you've left behind your previous business model. Um, mm. And we've certainly not, uh, so we have a little joke in our team about that, that word and that I get a bit allergic to it. But um, we certainly um, have not left behind our students. You know, that's something that we're very passionate about. Um, that's a platform that we're continuing to build and grow. Um, we're actually hearing from employers that investing into young talent is going to be really important and strategic for them in the rebuild period to have those fresh perspectives and, and new digital skills coming through from the ground roots upwards. Um, so yeah, that, that will retain a, um, a core place in our business model. The question for us now is um, thinking about this initiative we're doing through the labour exchange. Um, how might we be able to continue to support the economic rebuild period over the coming years and perhaps integrate that initiative back into our core business. Um, I mean, I sort of mentioned earlier, essentially we're still doing the same thing, which is matching people to work based on, on an understanding of their underlying skills rather than their CV. Um, and I think there's an opportunity for us to think about how we might play uh, a longer term role in supporting the economic rebuild period where it comes to how people transition into new types of work and particularly digital capabilities. Um, a lot of people will need to do that over the coming years. Um, and there's probably going to be uh, a need for some support in the way they do that. You know, what are the pathways available to them and what training and education is required and how do they then access work opportunity that's relevant to those capabilities? Um, and so, you know, they're questions we're asking ourselves at the moment. How might we continue to use our technology to support those people in, in making those transitions? Um, so no, no firm answer yet, but you know, we've certainly learned a lot about ourselves as Hatch through this period in the sense that we have been able to respond quite quickly to this, um, to this moment and to this call for help. Um, and, we, and we are thinking about how we might continue to support, not just, you know, in this crisis couple of months, but in, in the years to come as well. It's a nice change to hear such optimism, which is fantastic. And so <laughs> finally, for, um, for Australians whose working lives may have been turned upside down, do you have any last words of advice for them? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing I would say is um, it's, you know, it, it's, it's tough for you right now, um, and we understand that, and I, and I think that um, a lot of people understand that, um, and there's a lot of people I talk to who are in a similar bucket right now. And, um, you know, every time an employer joins the exchange, it's, um, it's great because we, you know, we want to be able to help them and, um, you know, it means that there's more talented people that other organisations can now hire. 
but at the same time, it's a bit heartbreaking for me because it, you know, I get to see firsthand just how many people are being stood down from from their jobs. So it's certainly a tough, um, it's a tough uh, moment and a tough environment for a lot of people. Um, I think the thing to keep in mind is that um, as as humans, we have this um, incredible capacity to learn. You know, it's, it's I think it's our defining characteristic. Our, our you might call it plasticity of mind, or our you know um, we've talked about. Uh, adaptiveness, but it, it's the ability for us to continue to grow and develop and to learn and to be um, agile in, in the way that we, um, that we are. And so I think this, the, the message of hope or the silver lining is um, it's a common known fact that we overestimate how much we can achieve in a week and we underestimate how much we can achieve in a year. I, I would say that um, you're probably, even though this is a tough moment, you're probably in a position where um, you can um, decide to take on new learning pathways to build new capabilities and to position yourself um, to be in line for jobs where they're going to be needed in the coming years. Um, and there's going to be a whole lot of support structures out there around you to help you do that. And I would certainly encourage people to take advantage of them and, um, and, to, yeah, and, to, find, and to find those opportunities. I think that's pretty good advice for all of us. <laughs> Thank you. Um, thanks very much for your time today and for all the work that you're doing for everybody out there who needs it so much. Um, so I look forward to watching the number of job placements growing. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Emma. And I, I would just finish off by saying um, if anyone is growing their team right now, um, really encourage you to, to come and use the Labor Exchange. We'd love to have you. That's all from us today at Westpac Wire. For more, head to westpacwire.com.au.